Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Media Network. Glimmers of red shadows cast on the wall. They shifted every 60 seconds and reminded me that I'd lost another minute to a sleepless night. I grabbed the clock next to the bed and faced it against the wall. The reminder was unnecessary. I stared at the ceiling and pulled the blankets closer to my chin. About 90 minutes had passed since I got in bed, but it wasn't the time in bed I was worried about. It was about when that clock would scream at me in a few short hours. Rolling over, I debated getting up, maybe doing some work on my laptop or opening my book back up. The only problem was I didn't want to disturb my sleeping wife in this now pitch black room. Instead, I lay there staring at the ceiling, reliving the events of the night. You see, only a few hours earlier, I crossed a huge item off my concert bucket list. Even in the early days of music fandom, this was something I considered a staple of concert fandom. I saw my first show at Madison Square Garden. It's a legendary venue. I was first introduced to it with Elvis's 1972 live album, as recorded at Madison Square Garden. Clever name, right? It was your standard 70s Elvis live album and set list. But it wasn't your run-of-the-mill show. There was an energy to that room. You can feel it on the recording. Even before the release, there was a legacy built into that album. As my taste developed over the years, I saw more artists releasing similar shows. The Garden is a mile marker for success as an artist. There aren't any no-name talents playing that stage. It's one of the most iconic venues in the world, and one of the biggest markets in the world. The Garden has a magical quality that artists aren't getting at other venues. I always wonder what was so different about it. Was it built on ancient voodoo magic? And after years of mystery, I finally got to visit. And it wasn't just any show. It was Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden, a hometown hero of sorts. But time waits for no man. I was already on to the next thing. We'd gotten back from the show around midnight and were now bedding down for our glorified nap time. But like a child on Christmas, sleep evaded me. Our next step involved being a goofy tourist in Big Apple. What early morning plans did we have? We weren't getting up to go to the Good Morning America. Even that was too touristy for me. No, we had much, much bigger plans than that. We were going to the Today Show. But it's not like it sounds, I swear. We were there for the musical guests. We even had fan passes. My wife and I both submitted application for tickets, but only one of us was accepted. It was her. While trying to ride the high of quote-unquote last night's concert, there was little time to savor it. Our roll call was at 5.30, and that's if we got there at the very last minute. The city that never sleeps was living up to its name. Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and those back in your body. My name is Lance Ingram, and the season three, episode three of yesterday's concert, our jam journal takes us to July 12th, 2019. Grab your earplugs as we go to Rockefeller Plaza in New York City for Maggie Rogers. If the sun was out, it was still hiding behind the colossal architecture that confined the city streets. As I emerged from the comfort of our hotel bed, I peeped through the curtains to survey the streets below. For the city that never sleeps, the city was largely dark and quiet. 
The nickname felt erroneous given the view. Businesses were closed and the sidewalks were empty save an occasional jogger. There were no cars that lined the roads and no need for horns. It was a refreshing perspective on the city's extroverted persona. You could say it was a literal night and day difference. Recognizing how precious our time was, I jumped to get ready. Running on about an hour of sleep, communication was difficult amid our grogginess. Through simple nods and grunts, Anna and I expressed the urgency of, It's time to go. As I bent over to tie my shoes, my body groaned in discomfort. It was a quick reminder that I was no longer the teenager that could stay up for days with no sleep. I debated calling it off and crawling back into bed. Even for me, this was almost overboard links for a concert. Almost. Our Midtown Hotel was only a few blocks from the Today Show, but my sleep-deprived body wanted no part of that walk this early in the morning. I ordered an Uber and rushed Anna downstairs when the driver notified me that he was already impatiently waiting for us. Crawling into the back seat, I muttered good morning to our driver. Good morning. And he nodded back to me. He wasted no time whipping back onto the streets. He also wasted no time cranking the radio. This wasn't an early hour to him. No, it wasn't 4 a.m. to him. This was time for karaoke. He turned the dial of his radio and had a noticeable moment of excitement. It was the 1987 Belinda Carlisle hit, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Through a thick Middle Eastern accent, our driver wasn't shy for his backseat audience. He sang with gusto. He was a star in the making and on his way to headlining the garden. I looked at Anna with awkwardness in my eyes. It's too early for this. But when he reached the chorus the second time, I could hear Anna humming along with him. I looked at her in disbelief. What are you doing? I mouthed. She shrugged and said, I like this song. I pulled up the Google Maps to see if it was unreasonable to walk the remaining distance. As we turned off of 6th Avenue towards 48th, I saw a line that wrapped around the block. Our 5.30 call time was less than an hour away. My heart sunk that we were already too late. When our driver dropped us off, a woman with a clipboard approached us. Names, she demanded. Uh, Lance Ingram. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It may be under Anna. Okay, you'll need to get to the back of that line. We'll be announcing next steps shortly. She pointed to the back of another line that we hadn't seen. It was much shorter and closer to the entrance. This was the verified fan entrance. Those in the other line were the lowly peons of general admission. Ew. Walking to the back of the line, we passed baby-faced teens that had already spent hours waiting. The more I saw, the more I realized I was going to stick out like a sore thumb here. Not only was I one of the only dudes there, but I was the oldest person in line. Thankfully, at the very end of the line was a mom with her young daughter. We made eye contact and nodded in solace. It was the first time in my life I ever identified with a middle-aged woman. We're in this together, Brenda. As the sun began peeking from behind the monstrous buildings, more and more fans lined up by the seconds. But once we were in line, the process was all hurry up and wait. Interns came by to check our names off a list and give us our fan pass lanyards. That was our ticket for entry. Maggie Rogers is still a rising name. She came onto my radar after a performance on Saturday Night Live in late 2018. Then John Mayer started hyping her up and when her debut album, Heard It in a Past Life, was released, I was all in. Maggie had a unique blend of soul, pop, and indie. I hated to call it pop music because that's a disservice to the genres that she's able to meld into her own style. I heard a lot of promise in her music. I chalked up her popularity as something I'd have to enjoy from afar. She wasn't coming to Memphis. Those kind of indie pop stars never make it to our neck of the country. So when I saw she was playing New York while we were in town, we pushed all our chips in on being able to see her. Who cares that we were less than 12 hours out from seeing a massive sold out show at Madison Square Garden? 
We were living the live music dream, baby. Around 6 a.m., the line started moving and security began processing people into the quote-unquote venue area. The stage was set up in the plaza outside the Today Show studio. The majesty of New York's towering skyline cupped out this tiny alleyway where they set up the stage. They turned the concrete jungle into a makeshift amphitheater in the heart of Manhattan. I love an unconventional venue, and this was a Thanksgiving feast with all the fixings. The venue was closed off with barriers. Sound and lighting equipment littered the area. Large storage containers sat open with heavy cables hanging out like vines. The live stream of the studio is displayed on a monitor next to us. Employees ate their breakfast burritos, sipped their coffee, and patiently waited for their job to start. For all the chaos that dramatized shows portray about broadcast news, this was surprisingly laid back. It had evidence of a well-oiled machine that only needed warm bodies to ensure the wheels were turning. Our instructions once inside were simple. Number one, don't act a fool. Number two, there is no leaving. If you leave the area, you forfeit your spot inside, and on the outside is where you'd stay. We were midway back, stage right, and pressed against a barrier. As more fans poured in behind us, the space became a little more like a prison cell. There were no restrooms, no moving around, and definitely no attempts to get closer. More and more fans passed through security and into the tiny alleyway. The realization that I was stuck crept closer and closer to the front of my mind. With every person granted entry, our little space became a little smaller. The buildings that cut this space out were now prison bars confining us. Every breath got a little more difficult and when I looked back, the worse it got. People kept pouring in. Did I have to pee? What if I can't hold it? I can't go anywhere for three hours? The only way out was to leave? My limited options exacerbated my claustrophobia. I grabbed Anna and made eye contact with her. I'm freaking out. Of all my concerts, of all the chest crushing crowds, none had turned on me like this. This wasn't even that dense. There was still room on all sides to shift as needed. Even in the midst of the great outdoors, there was nothing but open space above me. But my surroundings were collapsing on me. My mind was moving faster than I could breathe. The cold promise of no exit, except for forfeiture, told me that I was going to pee on myself. Did I have to pee? I didn't want to freak Anna out, but I was debating jumping the barrier and finding safety with the crews and their breakfast. When I didn't think I could take it anymore, a camera on a small crane launched an aerial attack. It zoomed over the audience and kamikazed on the stage. Walkie-talkies began buzzing, the crew dropped their breakfast burritos and scattered like roaches in light. From behind the gear and stage equipment, a woman with long brown hair emerged. The stage front audience erupted in cheers. Seconds away from pole vaulting the barrier, I peeled my gaze to see Maggie Rogers and her band. They were coming out for a sound check. With something to set my gaze on, the mass behind me suddenly didn't feel so bad. But as polite as the fans had been so far, a sudden intensity erupted from within. This was only a sound check, but the fans freaked out like it was a sold-out concert at Radio City Music Hall. Many already had shirts, hats, and other gear from seeing her in concert before. This was her dedicated faithful. They held up their phones to forever treasure the moment. It wasn't even 6am to these fanatics. Maggie, I love you, fans screamed and squealed. I'd seen fans behave this way for teeny boppers before, but this was something else. Maggie, you're the best. Maggie laughed and awkwardly waved. Good morning, everybody. Even she seemed to be unsure of how to handle the raging fans at such an early hour. Soundcheck is typically a private affair between artist and crew. It's time to work out the kinks, mentally prepare for the show, and warm up. 
Yet this was a full performance with the audience hanging on every word. Later during an interview on the show, she mentioned how the sound check was the most pop star she'd ever felt. About 30 minutes later after she finished sound check at 7 a.m. on the dot, the surrounding monitors flickered like an alien invasion. The Today Show was becoming the Now Show. A hush ran over the plaza. The hosts who sat on just the other side of the exterior wall were presenting the news to the nation. One of the interns had been buzzing about the morning walk by, so I stopped him. Hey, how long until Maggie performs? She sat for the last half of the show. She'll come out around 8.30. Maybe because it was still earlier, or because we were in the shade of giants. But the weather was phenomenal. Not a cloud in the sky, and the temperature felt like a crisp autumn morning. My claustrophobia had settled into a mild, hope I don't pee myself, level of anxiety. Except for the last part, it was a really relaxing morning. We had already been going for close to four hours at this point. What's 90 more minutes? This had turned into the perfect hurry-up-and-wait environment. her introduction, Maggie Rogers and her guitarist took the stage. The crowd erupted in surprise and excitement. The musicians walked to the tip of the catwalk and awkwardly waved at the crazed fans. Maggie shifted between her feet as the wait continued. The producer stood at the base of the stage with a hand on his headset. He motioned to Maggie and she nodded to her guitarist. The notes were clean and given a natural reverb from the cityscape. The guitarist slowly rocked with the song. Barely inches from each other, Maggie swayed closer to the musician. She reached for her microphone without looking. Oh, I've been sleeping, barely dreaming, through one year and one half. With one hand gripping the microphone, the other hand grabbed the stand. She closed her eyes and serenaded the audience. A hush reigned over the crowd. No one dared make a noise. They were transfixed on their idol. Those that sang along did so in whispers. The racket of New York was eliminated. There were no honking taxis, screaming crackheads, or loud-talking businessmen. The performance was sublime. The boldness of the song selection wasn't lost on me. With millions of viewers tuning in every morning, rather than a rousing song to show the live energy her concerts are known for, she chose the route of the songbird, the minstrel, and the artist. But she didn't waste the opportunity. As the chorus came in, she gripped both hands around the microphone and dropped into an Eddie Vedder stance. She wailed, I'm never going to get this back, and you said. The stage sat low enough that we could barely see Maggie above the audience. But the music was ever-present and clear. Maggie's voice is beautiful. It was so emotive. I was mesmerized by her command over the audience. No matter how many times she has performed this song, the raw emotion came burning through. Her hands swung like an angry preacher as she emphasized each new syllable. And just like that, the song was over. Maggie waved, the producer ran on stage, and the crowd erupted. It's lunchtime and you're famished. You can get a cheeseburger anywhere. But you come to Chotsky's for the atmosphere and the attitude. That's what our flair is about. It's about the fun. Try out our new happy hour menu, Chotsky's. You don't need 37 pieces of flair to have a good time. We take care of that for you. 
All right, we are back, and in our next segment, we're going to show you a simple technique for making bread without yeast. But first, Al, we need to hear some more music. Let's hear some more music, Savannah. We're headed back outside for more Maggie Rogers. As Maggie shimmied her way to the microphone, the band started the icy dance beat of Alaska. The song is soft and sweet, but not your typical pandering love ballad. Despite its quiet demeanor, Maggie danced like it was the summer's hottest dance track. She ran the stage, dancing the whole way. Since this wasn't your typical concert, it had been more than five minutes since Maggie took the stage last. It was a new effort to reignite the crowd. She wasn't working with any momentum from the previous song. Even in soundcheck, she never left the stage. Instead, she was relying on the songs and the adrenaline of the audience's tired bodies. Maggie's energy gripped the audience quickly. The singer ran the catwalk, using her falsetto to hit the chorus. Her shoulders swayed and shifted with the music. She leaned over the audience, singing directly into the faces of her fans. They sang back, never breaking eye contact with their idol. At the end of the catwalk, with outstretched arms, she jumped and twirled midair. She landed on one leg and danced her way back to the center stage. The crowd ate it up. She made the most of her three and a half minutes before the show was taken to another commercial break. When a man feeds an army, it's called heroic. But when a man feeds himself, it's called lunch. Slide into Stan Makita's Donuts and score your next meal. Open 24 hours a day. You deserve an excellent munch spot. We recommend the Sugar Pucks. Stan Makita's. The show host stood at the front of the stage as they welcomed America back to another performance. I watched as they herded them from one location to the next during the breaks. They waved to the crowd, shook hands, and acted like any of us were there for them. Light On was a more upbeat track and easier to reel the audience back from the break. During the chorus, she ripped the microphone from the stand and danced like this was her favorite song. At one point, she leaned over the stage mere inches from the face of a young fan. She smiled into the little girl's eyes and sang to her. The little girl blushed and smiled at her favorite singer. Maggie had an aura of coolness that can only manifest itself in authenticity. She smiled often as evidence of a clear passion for what she does. No matter how many times she's played these songs, she was still in love with them. Maggie's performance had an authenticity that separated her from the mega pop stars. She danced like no one was watching and was effortlessly cool. She struck a balance of pop sensation and down-to-earth. Her public demeanor showed no trace of where her quick rise of fame had gone to her head. There was no mass-label production to her personality. In a world that says you can't be you to be famous, she was true to herself and her fans latched onto that. Despite the rigors of live television, the smile she gave at the end of the song was a snapshot into a music fan living an unbelievable dream. Don't go through life smelling like Bigfoot. It's time to musk up. You deserve a formidable scent. Something that's guaranteed to work not just some of the time, but every time. Sting the nostrils of your lover. Sex Panther. For when you need to make that kitty purr. Maggie emerged from backstage for one final performance. She had ditched her jacket and her Eleanor Roosevelt shirt was on full display. Standing at the microphone, her right hand gripped the device and her left swam through the air in lyrical interpretation. She conjured a magical spell over the audience. 
The keyboardist created a soundscape as Maggie's soulful voice broke the ambience. The song hit its stride with a bouncy and addictive chorus. The bass line demanded you groove. It was an instant hip swear that forced listeners to sway with the beat. The crowd joined the hip shake as if under a spell. An overhead shot must have looked like a literal wave of people. Maggie broke free from the microphone stand and flipped her legs with footwork that would make NBA legends jealous. Much like the other songs, the singer was unconscious of any judgment. She moved and danced like no one was watching. And as the final notes of the song hit the speakers, her chest huffed and gasped for air. The crowd erupted in gracious applause as the cameras dropped and their operators left the area. She waved at the audience before slipping away. Our morning was over. As quickly as Maggie had exited the stage, the audience space was emptied too. We were back on the streets of New York, minutes after 9am. I grabbed my wife's hand and began walking with no direction or decision. Delirious and excited, we made our way to the Upper West Side for breakfast. We strolled the city blocks on tourist autopilot before calling it a day. The city may not sleep, but we needed it. A few months after the New York performance, I sat on a pew in the Ryman Auditorium for my second Maggie Rogers show. This wasn't a start-stop performance. Maggie built momentum for each song, dancing across the stage, leaning into the audience and keeping the room under her spell from start to finish. It was a proper show. Maggie maintained the authenticity that captivated the New York audience, but now she displayed the full strength of her command. The response was so great that it brought Maggie to tears and the show to a grinding halt. Her bandmates surrounded her and took a moment to savor their love for one another. The choked up Maggie thanked the crowd. She said it was one of the only two times in her life she felt like she was where she was supposed to be. Less than 10 days later, I saw Maggie open for Casey Musgraves at a very sold-out Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. This was the same talented artist that I'd already seen twice that year, but her performance was different. She held back. Maggie's name wasn't the top of the marquee. That was for Casey Musgraves. But despite the unusually high number of fans wearing her merch in the arena, Maggie took her place playing second fiddle. I don't know if it was done out of respect or what, but I know Maggie could have owned that stage if she wanted. I saw her own a television show, despite all the hardships of the performance. I don't know what the potential peaks of Maggie's future career are, but every performance has offered the beautiful shock and honesty of her rise in fame. The first was an overwhelmed pop star in the making. The second, a music fanatic gracious for her dreams becoming reality. The third, an artist who so respects the art, even if it's to her own detriment. Although still a fledgling starlet, her humility is a refreshing perspective. It was these kind of attributes that made it worth waking up in the wee hours of the morning to support an artist. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for tuning in to another show. Sources and more information on today's show are available on our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. While you're there, check out some old episodes or connect with us on Twitter at ConcertPod or on Instagram at Yesterday's Concert. And until next time, take care of your shoes. <laughs>